Hello and welcome to Eastrop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. We're on iTunes. And we've got a Twitter account, at Eavesdrop Movies. Yes. That's what it is. Um, if you go on iTunes and search for Eavesdropping at the Movies, you'll find us. We've got a logo and everything. Yes. So, yeah, we're all kicking the off. The logo is not what's important. It's uh, um, Logo is the most important thing. No, the most important thing is the brilliance of our insights. Um, yeah, that's why I made a logo. <laughs> Just, you can rely on a logo. <laughs> Uh, we've seen Mountains May Depart today, which is, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a clip. My brother sent me what he understands is the pronunciation right. of the director's name. The director's Chinese. We mentioned him at the end of an earlier podcast, and uh, obviously I screwed up the pronunciation. I'm just going to play a clip from my brother that uh, explains, <laughs> uh, apparently, how you pronounce his name. And if I may, um, the director that you mentioned at the end, Jia Shanki, is Zha Zhangkei. That's how I was told to pronounce it. I saw a film of his a few years ago um, called The World, which was really, really good, actually. It's really, like, incredibly austere, harsh stuff. But it's really got something. It's really stuck with me, The World. Zha Zhang Kei. Zha Zhang Kei. And a mini-review of one of his earlier films, yes, which so, I haven't seen. I'm not familiar with the director. So that's really put you in your place. Jajankei. Well, that's, that's my brother for you. Jajankei. So, so this is a film. Mountain Made Apart is a, a. It's actually a film from 2015. Yeah, so it's been, it's taken a long time to get here, actually. Yeah, and it competed for the Palme d'Or uh, a couple of years ago by this Jajankei, who is obviously someone I'm not familiar with. Are you? Are, this is the first film of his that I've seen. So spoilers will be coming up. It begins in 1999. With the millennium approaching, yes, and it's in it's in full frame, academy ratio, uh, and it's, it focuses on this love triangle between this girl, uh, who's who's singing at the at these New Year celebrations. celebrations, a guy who's also sort of lower class. He's a he's a miner, a coal miner, as in not not a kid, and then and then someone who is rather richer and is a little bit of a kind of young industrialist. Yes, you get the feeling that at that point in the film. In a way, there's not much difference between them except ambition. Yeah, so one is up and coming and he's got plans and, you know, the other one is an employee. But you get a sense that the distance between them, the inequality be- between them, is actually not very much. And in fact, that becomes a, pl- a plot point. Yeah, that kind yeah. of, you can resist uh, uh, people at that point. And at this point in the movie, I was, um, I was struggling with it slightly. I think partially because my frame of reference is really off because I've seen very little Chinese cinema and I don't really know very much about China. It's kind of an alien place to me, I guess. Mm. So I'm sure that there were cultural uh, points, cultural sort of uh, whatever, the shibboleths, yeah, that I was... Yeah. Just just weren't there for me to pick up on. Rather like when we saw Happy any other day and the guy was drinking Campo Viejo and I was like, yeah. I know Campo Viejo. <laughs> I bet there was Campo Viejo in this. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I think when watching any foreign cinema, you know, part of the pleasure is encountering a different culture and a different way of thinking mm. and a different way of doing things and representing. And part of the problem is that there are inevitably differences that you, references that you lose out on. Yeah, you know, that there are things that you just don't, get and miss out on yeah uh, and there are inevitably those those aspects of this film but I think the general gist is is maybe one we understand in 
Okay. Yeah, in general, it's ob- it's very clear. Yeah, what's going on, who the characters are, and what kind of places in society they occupy. Yes. Uh, so then the film. It, it, this is what's surprising. I think this surprised you as well, right? We didn't know anything about this coming in. So the film's two hours eleven minutes long, roughly. And after about fifty minutes, the film cuts to black and says, "A film by Zha Zhangke, yeah. Mountains Made Apart." And you go. This is the longest introduction to a film I've ever seen. Yes. And so we thought, okay, what's going on here? Because you checked your watch at that point. Yes, I wanted to. You um, know. It was clearly a long time. We'd spent a long time getting into these characters. We thought, if that's just the introduction. And then when you, when you return, the film is set in 2014. We've moved on 15 years. Yes. And we're picking up with the characters' eyes a little later on. And kind of people are, are coming back together. And, and I think the film really starts to pick up this point. And then later on still, the final kind of third of the film, final movement of the film is set even further in the future, in 2025. Yeah. The film is so different at the end to what it is at the start. These are, it moves and changes mm. really organically, and it, it feels so natural, but you would just never have predicted it, I think, right at the start, which I think is lovely, because actually that opening, entire opening section in 1999, I was struggling with, and I was, I was struggling with partially because of the cultural differences, perhaps, like I said, but also because I think actually the story wasn't really interesting me, hugely. Ah, yes. And it was once... Time moved on, and then you saw how this love triangle was, how people had moved on from it, and then people kind of started to come back together, yes. and you saw their lives have changed. Then I thought this film was it started to come alive for me. Yes. I don't know about you. There's a similar thing to me, though. I perhaps like the first movement, as you called it, which is a very good way of calling it, I think. You know, the bit set in 1999, I think I liked it more than you. You know, I was, I was very interested in the way of life that was being represented, which seemed to be almost, you know, on the cusp of industrialization. Yeah, people are riding mopeds and coal mines everywhere, and it feels quite poor. So, you know, people go to to purchase a CD player as if it's like, you know, a major, major kind of, you know, life expense and so on. So, so you get the sense that... I don't feel it was quite portrayed as a major, major life expense. So it, It's just a... I mean, the girl owns a shop, basically, or she works in a shop. Yeah, but you get the feeling that that's probably, like, the shop in town or one of the few shops in town to buy electronic goods, that electronic goods are not widely available. I mean, she's microwaving her own lunch in something that she's selling. That's true. So, you know, you get the sense that these things are at a premium. There's still a kind of a rural kind of lifestyle you know, that is tied to this place, right, which is, well, it's rural, I mean, they're mining, but on the other hand, you get a sense of provincial might be a better term, yeah, Yeah, that it's kind of, it's a provincial town in the mountains. Shanghai is the big city they travel to when they need operations and things like that. Right, right. Fenyang, F-E-N-Y-A-N-G. Fenyang City, formerly Fenyang County before 1996, is a county-level city under the administration of Luliang Prefecture-level city in Shanxi Province, China. Anyway, the point is that it's a small place. It's still tied to an old way of life, yeah, which is kind of seemingly undergoing industrialization, but kind of not very developed. And actually, it makes sense. Yeah, 1999 was the year in which kind of you know China opened up to capitalism and. You know, you, the, the film is marking out those changes, really. Mm. Um, and it's actually where Xia Zhangke is from. Right. Okay, sense. so, you know, that's another thing. So, you know, he knows the landscape, and it's quite beautiful. And, and what you get at the beginning is it's tied to ritual. So, you know, the New Year celebrations and kind of, you know, and people doing carnivals on the street and people singing collectively and, 
yeah, there is an aspect of ritual of a cycle of life that's been happening there for a really long time. Mm. And that's important to set that up. You know, so you also get a sense of like changes. So, you know, uh, what you have at the center is a woman who's been courted by two men. One is a miner, the other one owns a petrol station. One seems gentle, the other one seems very aggressive and really interested only in money. You know, she chooses the guy who is going to make the money, right? So actually she chooses money in a way because you get a sense that she's got very deep feelings for the man that she's turned down. Yes. Uh, she's attracted to the other, but really, like, uh, you know, the whole beginning sets up this thing where she could really go for any one of them. The only difference between them is the one has money. And actually, the one who has money is also more aggressive, more possessive, more jealous. So all the qualities that you see alongside his having money are negative qualities, mm. really. So she makes a choice, yeah? And I think kind of it's a choice that has reverberations throughout because... It's not an accident that the child she will have with the guy she chooses is going to be called Dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's, that's his nickname. His Chinese name sounds close enough. Yes, and then Dollar is, it becomes becomes his, his nickname. Uh, I think one of the reasons that that I was struggling with the opening is because there, there was this. There seemed to be an assumption that she just has to choose between these two guys. Yes, and 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 again, I was I was guess I was wondering to myself like, is this is this something which is accepted or was accepted at this time in China that this is what women are expected or what men are expected to do and it makes more sense if you understand that because to me I was thinking there was almost no acceptance of a third option which was that she didn't have to go and go out with either of them yes but but in the sense you say well why not because she clearly likes both of them so why wouldn't she go with either of them sure but um there was this kind of thing in other words I thought I felt that the characters were Fairly thinly drawn at this point because the the vast majority of their characterization was based around this love triangle, yes. and and if, and if I didn't buy the love triangle mm. that much, then I wasn't buying the 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 story really too much. Well, as I said, I think better of it than you do because I didn't think it was rubbish. I was just not yeah, yeah. not you know connecting with it too much at this point. Well, um, and and I see what you mean. Because, well, another way of putting it is that the film really takes off in the middle. And for me, at least, became kind of deeply moving and sad and yes. wistful and, you know, kind of, it had me welling up at moments, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, the first part was bad. It's just it, that's needed so that you can build into the second part for the way that it is. Yeah. Um, but I personally also found that the, the beginning was, for me, full of rich detail. Like, it took trouble to show you the way of life you know, and the city and the landscape and what people do and what few options people have. I mean, kind of one of the things that you see is like kind of they go to nightclubs, which look really, you know, rough and ready. Uh, and then kind of a lot of their entertaining, courting and whatever takes place in a landscape that is no longer quite natural. There's always like huge coal uh, uh, chimneys you know, hovering mm. in the background, right alongside like these very majestic mountains, and what is obviously a city landmark of some kind, which is like a pagoda with a tower, right? So, you know, what happens is that, you know, she chooses the guy who's on his way to being rich, who's actually just bought the coal mines, the guy she turns down moves away to Shanghai, and yeah, he can't stand being in the same city mm. as her, and in fact, he's got very few employment opportunities because... 
his rival in love has just bought the mine he works for and has fired him. So, uh, but very tellingly, he locks up his family house and moves away. Yeah, right. he throws the key away. Yeah. To, to make a point, he throws it onto the roof or something. That's right. And this thing about, about home, about keys, about having a place to return to is kind of, you know, one of the main themes of the film, right? Yeah. Uh, because what happens in the second sequence is, you know, we're now in 2014 and a lot of things have happened. You know, so the woman uh, has divorced her rich husband, uh, has been denied the child that she had with him. She lost custody. Uh, she herself now owns the petrol station and is kind of very well-to-do. At this point, the man she turned down comes back from Shanghai because he's got cancer and he can't afford the treatment. So he returns home. Uh, and uh, uh, the, his wife goes to ask her for money. Uh, uh, and she gives him the money. Though actually, you never see him again. The film moves so beautifully between stories and in a way that is quite unpredictable uh, and feels so natural. So you're following the, the, the minor character. So you, you've ended the first story with the minor character moving away because he can't take it anymore. The, the other two have gone off to get married. Yes. The film reopens on him getting his diagnosis of lung cancer. So he returns home. So you're with him. Uh, and the, his wife seeks out the ex-wife of the guy. The, the girl, basically, he loved formerly. Mm. Um, she seeks her out to ask for money. So then the, those two reunite because he was, he was embarrassed to ask for it and so on. And then and so and that is the last you see of him, so because you kind of I guess I thought you know we're going to pick up on what the story is and and how what's going to happen when they reunite and that's going to then have reverberations, uh, repercussions, but no, you you are left with with him there and it's quite open ended because you suppose he's going to live, he's going to get treatments, but it doesn't matter. His story ends there, mm. um, and it's not it's not you're not told his story ends here. It's just left. Yes. Um, and you realise later on, okay, so he's just you're not going to see him again because then you're 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 with the woman and she has a son that she hasn't seen because the husband, the rich, the industrious husband, won custody. Her father then dies, so she brings the child to so he, so he can pay his respects to the grandfather. He basically doesn't know, yeah. and when she when she meets the child off the plane, um, this this dollar the kid's name is, uh, he he's grown up differently, right? He's grown up in a city or he's grown up somewhere else, and so yes. he calls her. He's uh, wearing an Hermes scarf. Yeah, he's wearing a scarf and she says, that looks girly, taken off. And yes. he calls her mummy and she says, she's supposed to call me Ma. So they are butting heads slightly. They're, they're, yes. they're culturally different and the kid's not speaking very much. And so they clearly don't know each other. But she wants to connect with him. And then obviously at the same time, she's grieving deeply because her father just died, who she loved. Yes. But it, the, the point is, at this point, the film has changed completely, right? This is a different story now to what it was. Yes. The love triangle is no longer really relevant to this point. No, but the people are. The people are. That's... Feelings are, and the, you know, the question of love and what it is. And, right, you know, so this is the it, point. The film moves organically, and then later on, you're with the ch- in, the third, uh, moment, in the third movement of the film, mm. you're with the child, who's now 18 years old. Mm. Um, and then he kind of forms a relationship with his teacher. Yes. And he's talking about his past or, or trying to hide his past, but then eventually opens up. But again, the story has changed completely. So you followed the minor, you followed the love triangle, then you followed the minor character, then you followed the girl he loved, 
then you follow her son as he grows up. Nothing ends neatly. Nothing is neat in this, and nothing is wrapped up. And it, but it is so organic, and people's people's lives change, and the film I think communicates it so beautifully that that you don't plan for any of this. I think I, I think a Hollywood film would wrap this up so much more neatly. Yes. Well, the film is is full of a kind of hurt, you know, that is also a kind of an acceptance of that hurt. So, you know, obviously the mother loves the child very deeply, you know, but has resigned herself to have a particular kind of relationship with him for his own good. He's got a better future with his father, mm-hmm. you know, though she should know better by now because she's thinking of a better future, meaning a future with more money, right? Uh, and what goes along with it, which is also more better educational possibilities and mm-hmm. so on, right? Um, so, and it's kind of, you know, and she says, well, you know, love is what hurts you and kind of, um, and you can't accompany people through life. Right. So there are all of these kinds of reservations about kind of, you know, not having access to what, you know, the, was expected in the promise of youth, which was, you know, to have these fulfilling relationships and kind of these you know, these families and these social relations and, yeah, and so kind of what you get is a sense of kind of, you know, people moving away from their connections or just being disconnected. So the film has a neat homology in the sense in relation to the triangle because, you know, one child is left fatherless, you know, uh, um, through death, but the other child is left motherless through circumstance. Hmm. Right. So, you know, in both, there's a kind of um, a dispossession or an untying of ties that the film, at least, values very, very strongly. Right. Because the whole of the third section is actually about the losses that goods, money, industrialization bring. So, you know, kind of they emigrate and they get all these fancy iPads, you know, in a house with a fantastic view of the beach, but they're completely alienated, exiled, you know, unable to communicate. They've lost their language, mm-hmm. right? And all that the film sees is meaningful, really. So this is where I think the woman is at the center of it, right? Because she stayed, you know, mm. yeah, and she's made a life there and she's made kind of an honest life. You could see that the guy who got rich got rich out of corruption and, you know, and I think the year, the 2014 might be significant, you know, as something that might have happened in China around that time because, you know, the film seems to make a point of it, right? Mm. You know, so the father says, you know, now I'm in Australia and I can buy guns, but, you know, I have no one to shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you don't see him in 2014. You hear that they've been divorced, but he doesn't, he's not present in that part of the film. So we, we only return to him in 2025 when he and his son don't even share the same language. They have mm. to communicate through Google. Yeah, right? through or, some future technology, <laughs> iPad 7, yes. that, uh, that translates it for them. Yes. And the mother, there's a thing about keys and home, you know, and always having some place to return to that is that you have a key to and that you can call home and that you will be welcomed in, mm. right? So there's all this ceremony about the keys. So... You know, as you said, in the first episode, you know, the rejected suitor throws away his keys. But the woman had made a set for him, you know, that she gives returns to him in the second. I, well, I think they're the same keys. 
Ah, okay. I, th- I think okay. she I think she retrieved them. Okay, she was so yeah. Anyway, she returns him his keys. It's it's the son that she has the set of keys made for when when she connects with her son when he's seven years old in twenty fourteen. Um, uh, she says, I'm, "I've given you a set of keys. This is for the front door. This is for the back door. So you know, if you want to, come, you'll always be welcome if you ever want to come." Yes. Um, and then in in twenty twenty five, you see he keeps them around his neck the whole time. He doesn't want to talk about them. Yes. Know? Yes. So actually, that sense of kind of—I mean—the film is imbued with a kind of a sense of loss, right? And the price that people pay for, you know, migrating for to better their economic circumstances, really. Mm. Yeah, the kind of, um, you know, there's all kinds of social relations and cultural relations and even language that is lost as a result of material ambitions. Yeah, so you actually do see that in many ways, um, you know, their life has materially improved, but you also get the sense, so so in the third episode, the son wants to quit school because he wants to be free. He doesn't know what to do. He could do anything and he just wants to be free. Mm. And you get a feeling that, you know, even that type of feeling would have been completely alien, you know, to, their, to his, uh, is completely alien to his parents, really. Mm. Well, his parents obviously see, you know, he has all this opportunity. They've provided for him good education. They've worked hard so that he can have all of this. And his instinct is he's being forced into it. Yes. And it's something that he wants to, to throw away. And really it's a reaction simply to his parents having provided it for him. Yes, I, I suppose. Um, though a lot is made out of technology, out of iPads, out of consumer goods. Mm. Yeah, kind of, you know, they're particularly shiny and, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of attention that's drawn to it. Yeah, but I think it, in a way, it's, your eyes drawn to it as a way of highlighting kind of the emotional cost, the familial cost, you know, the, the, the social price that people pay. Yeah, the kind mm. of, in terms of, you know, a loss of human connection and roots. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, and by the time you get to the third episode, it's all about speaking English. Yes. The film is Chinese language up until this point. Yes. Uh, primarily, there's a little bit of English here and there. I think in the second episode, but in the third, um, the kid is just speaking English. He's near enough got an American accent as well, yes. despite living in uh, Australia now. Um, and he doesn't really know... Uh, I mean, I guess he must know his language because he still grew up there, but he doesn't want to speak it at the very least. Um, he doesn't seem to understand some of it. He, well, he does have to get it translated when he, he, when he has it out with his father. He does need to have it translated by his teacher. Yeah. Um, so they need an interpreter there. So clearly he's forgotten whatever he knows, really. Yes. Um, he, he doesn't share that with his, with his family anymore. Um, and yeah, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't know kind of his roots or his, his parents' roots. He claims to not even remember his mother's name. Mm. Right, but that's, that's... Yeah, but I think it's clearly... Because when it's revealed that that thing... He's constantly got this necklace on, uh, which you don't see what's on the end of it. It's beneath his T-shirt. But when you eventually see... It's this set of keys. Yes. Then he's, so he's, he's, he's always carrying his past with him. So he's very aware of it. And actually, when he's saying, I don't remember, you know, I was a testy baby. I don't know who my mother was, whatever it was. Or I don't have a mother. Mm. It's deflection, isn't it? It's, it, it is. Um, he doesn't want to talk about it rather than he just doesn't know. Yes. Anyway, that was the weakest episode in the series in the, in the film. Yeah. The third episode in Australia, to me, um, felt kind of off. I, I guess I see what you mean. I think that might be because it was focusing on a character that you hadn't been introduced to at the start. I, I, also, I, I didn't like the actor playing him. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's it. That, yeah, everyone's got their taste, I suppose. I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I thought he kind of suited the role. But, uh, um, but I think that, you know, when the, the film is slightly, it's certainly being bold insofar as, you know, we're going to end the film... In the future. In, in the future and, and with a, um, you know, hoping that you can make the connection as an audience member with a character who, who was brought in halfway through. Mm. Um, as opposed to the ones you brought, you started the film off with, although the film obviously is bookended mm. quite beautifully with um, the uh, the mother character uh, dancing to go west. Yes, which is I think in a way you know that's what the film is 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 about. So the film has two songs really, two central songs. One is a Cantonese song. I've got it here. It's called Take Care. It's from 1990. And the singer is... Sally Ye. Sally Ye. Or Ye. So that's, that's the song that the three characters listen and fall in love to. And then it's a song that gets kind of replayed in, you know, all, each of the episodes, actually. Yeah. Um, and then the, um, uh, uh, the Pet Shop Boys version of Go West is the song that begins the film... And it's the song that ends the film. Yeah. And, and it ends the film in the character's head. So at the start, there's, there's basically rubbish line dancing that opens the film yes. where they're all dancing to, uh, to it in, a, in, in some dance hall. So they actually listen to the song. And at the end, it's just the mother character on her own. She just goes out into, the, uh, into those fields that we saw at the start that you mentioned, those kind of fields that are scarred by mm. uh, sort of human um, uh, involvement. And she stands in front of the pagoda... Uh, and that's her backdrop, and she just she does that dance again, but it's on her own, and the song's in her head. Yes, and actually, it's very interesting because you know the Pet Shop Boys version became like a kind of an AIDS anthem, right? So they 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 reworked the Village Voice, uh, uh, the um, the Village Boys version, you know, and Village People, the, the Village People's version, and they kind of tinged it with melancholy, right? Yeah, so kind of you know the song is tinged with sadness. Right, and so this idea of you know go, uh, go west, we'll find a better world. Yeah, it was it kind of it had the implications that you know for people with AIDS, this world was so harsh that there was you know something something better uh, uh, in another world. And actually, it's interesting that you know migration and moving and losing and yeah, kind of the price that people have to pay, yeah, in their dream of a better life elsewhere is really kind of, you know, I mean, this film is about loss, about the loss that that journey to elsewhere kind of entails, mm. yeah. There's also, there's also a more literal aspect to it, which is, which is literally Go West. The film is about uh, increasing westernisation, um, the, the, lo- the loss of the kind of Eastern cultures as the kid grows up in a Western society and speaking English. Yes, yeah, so um, he goes east. Yeah, though he, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> well, he will, he will return east. Um, the film is end, uh, leaves on a, a slight. Uh, yeah, but the, but they're in Australia, so. Right, but I mean, that's between uh, West as in the Western world, right? That's right. not that's not the Orient, is it? Right, right, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what you mean. But yeah, but when you said literally, I'm just... <laughs> I mean, like, li- literally in a figurative way. Okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, if you go south, really. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't like the last episode, you know, so there's a, there's a very touching older woman whom he develops a relationship with, and I thought she was lovely, the actress playing her. But, you know, I, it just seems to bring another aspect of the film that wasn't kind of really 
there and I didn't quite get. So on the one hand, she's also a migrant, you know, from Hong Kong that ended up in Toronto and is now also living in Melbourne. And, you know, uh, she's his teacher, but then it becomes kind of sexual, right? And I kind of... I personally could have done without that. I, you know, I think it took the film into another dimension, you know, which wasn't kind of quite clear to me anyway. Mm, it, it wasn't too clear, but it wasn't unwelcome. I mean, I, I guess I appreciate the idea that it, he's, as, as everyone else is, he's trying to make a connection. Um, he feels that this is the, this, for some reason, it's the only person who he feels comfortable doing that with. Um, I suppose, but then they have the conversation, you know, if we go to see your mother, how would you introduce me as your mm -hmm. teacher, as your friend, as your lover? And when he can't answer, you realise there's no place for her either. <laughs> mm. Well, he doesn't have to be, you know, head over heels, but like, I mean, to, to you know, I mean, it's, a, it's complicated, isn't it? Love's it, life to be complicated. <laughs> it is. It is. And yeah. actually, kind of, you know, laying open those complications... You know, those, those, those bits of hurt, you know, kind of, you know, the hopes that people have, yeah, for, for themselves and their children and their future and all kind of laced with loss and things that just cannot be and, you know, fate that takes them, yeah, and hazard that kind of places them in different positions that disconnects them. It's one of the things that is truly beautiful about the film, I think. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the costumes because I was really noticing them from the beginning. Um, so the film opens up on these 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 kids are about twenty five years old at, mm. at this time, and um, uh, and the rich fella shows up. Uh, so the three of them are there together, and the rich fella shows up and says, "Come and see my new car." Mm. And they go out to see it, and uh, and they're leaning over a balcony, and the girl says, "Oh, it's red. You're showing off." Mm. And the main component of the frame at that point is her giant red coat. Mm. So you think, okay, well, so this the film is doing something here. So yeah. I started noticing it from then on, um, because she, she she clearly the the coat is important to her, and, and and the film actually, I think it stops doing this so much by the end. But for the most part of the film, um, you are seeing characters defined by their clothes insofar as they they wear one set of threads. Yes. Throughout uh, pieces, throughout or throughout long stretches that really define them. As in, like over several days, you know, you're not just seeing them throwing the same thing later on in the same day. Mm. They 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 wear these things as though they are their uniforms. Yes. Um. So this red coat is very important, but then later on it turns to a green coat, and it's and I th and I think that's to do with when you see the miner's wife, uh, go and ask her for money. Yes. The miner, the miner's wife, is wearing this coat, which is part green and part red, and and it's after that that the, this red coat you don't see anymore. Um. And the and the wife, that the mother, starts wearing a green coat instead. It's like she, the connection that she feels or the kind of love that she felt she lost or never never, uh, took up, with the minor character. It's some way. It's it, it's like some attempt to, um, retrieve that or kind of access it by by putting on the the costume of, the wife he ended up marrying. Um, then later on, she's wearing this this black and white jumper, um, which is new because before. Uh, so she, the entire start of the film, she's wearing this red coat and this stripy jumper, which is all these different colours. Mm. And then ends up the dog is wearing that, that jumper by the end. She gets this dog, and it lives with her for a long time. And the dog is wearing that jumper at one point. 
where she has kind of given yeah. it up. That she's now wearing this black and white jumper okay. with these kind of stripes and and this this kind of angular design, which you then later on see is in the the the, the kid's flat when he's grown up in twenty twenty five and he's living with his dad in the flat. That 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 black and white stripy design is echoed by the couch and the cushions. All right, okay. I didn't get that, but I thought the dog was important because. You know, when they get engaged, they get a dog, they buy a dog, and they're told the dog will, uh, uh, you know, could live for 15 years if you treat it well. And actually, you know, what you end up with is that, you know, the leading character, the only relationship that she has that endures is her dog. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, that's what lasts her throughout her life, her relationship with this dog. Her father dies, you know, the man... The man she loves but rejected dies. The man she married has moved away. The son she bore has also moved away. So she's basically kind of, you know, left alone with her dog and actually having made a reasonably good life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which which is, you know, quite extraordinary for a film to show that. Yeah. Oh. I think it is an extraordinary film. I, I think it's so ambitious. And and like I say, the way that it, it moves so confidently um, past these stories, you know, it, it it's happy to drop a story when it feels that something else is more interesting or something else is more important. And and these, these people's lives aren't about this. The three characters at the start, this love triangle, you think this will define everything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It doesn't continue throughout. Like I say, in in that second story, you leave um, the minor character. Mm-hmm. In that second story, you don't see um, the, the the dad character. Obviously, the girl ultimately is the constant. You see her again right at the end, but she's not really present in a lot of the third story. Yes. Um, and and the and so the film the and this feels like life, right? Life isn't about everything wrapping up neatly. It's about when you look at your life now, if you think back to 20 years ago, things were just so different. You knew different people. Yeah. And I mean, me, 20 years ago, I was fucking eight years old, so nine years old. <laughs> so like, it's not really the same, but... Yes, you know, I knew different people. You, you knew different people, and you were an adult back then, yes. right? So, like, and so you didn't necessarily think your life would go this, this way or the other way, but you weren't, you weren't preparing for it or you weren't planning it. And then you just think, like, your life just has gone this way, right? And you had one go at it. And... And every if the film really really captures that feeling of things happening to you or around you or with your involvement, but yeah, but then you're you mem- well. The film shows people making choices that have repercussions that they did not even imagine. Mm. Right. So in this case, choosing one man over another meant choosing a completely different life. A, you know, a, a different country, losing her child, yeah, you know, kind of all these things. And I think what's interesting about the film is that it show this, it shows this really on the level of feeling, right? And and you know, I can't emphasize enough how moving yeah. the middle episode is. But on the other hand, it is also telling you something about about the society and the culture and the nation of China, right? Because I do think that the thing about positing the last third of the film in the future, right, is also a way of asking, you know, is what's happening now, you know, with industrialization, all this great prosperity and and so on, the migrations of people all over the world, Mm. you know, kind of, 
yeah, what are, what are the effects of this going to be? I think there is, I mean, I, I'm not too sure because I don't know the culture, but I suspect that, you know, that 1999, 2014, and then setting it in the future into 25 is a way of commenting mm. on, you know, the nation or an aspect of national life. Yeah. I, I, I should clarify a thing. I wanted to clarify that um, uh, you're absolutely right when you say it's about the choices people make and about the, the effects they then have, but it's not like sliding doors, right? It's not, yes. <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, you, your life could go one of two ways. It's like, so so when the, when the uh, mother character comes back and, and meets the minor character and she gives him money, there is this definite feeling of um, a life that she could have had mm. or... Or, or, or what she gave up, you know, mm. maybe she made the wrong choice because she clearly still has feelings for him and things have not gone quite so right mm. in her life up to this point um, in the last 15 years. But but it's not a sense of like, it was choice A or choice B. It, it's it's just a case of this is where my life has gone. Mm. Um, and, and you you know, there's no feeling of like, I sacrificed this or, or you know, I got so many points, you know, I won or I lost. Mm. It's just It's just, this is what happened. And it's taken it, the face value, taken it in, mm. um, which I, I think is so beautiful. And I think, and it, and it's so moving. The, the very end, where she's dancing, and she, and she's found this peace with herself, or or, or you know, she's built, she's built this life for herself, and she's just found she's she's in her place, and she's comfortable and happy, with her dog, and with, with the pagoda. Um, I found that so moving. I welled up at that point. Yes. Well, I mean, what it made me feel is the, um, how do you pronounce the director's name? Zha Zhang Ke. Zha Zhang Ke. Uh, that, you know, I want to become more, more, much more familiar with his filmography. You know, so I think, uh, you know, this is a film with, with greatness in it, really. I don't particularly think it's a great film. Uh, I think the ending is, you know, the last uh, uh, episode or the last movement, as you called it, is to me a problem. But it has some truly exquisite things in it and you know it looks beautiful as well it's beautifully shot and actually it's something which i should have said when i said the film is in full frame that's just the first movement yeah then it moves into widescreen in 2014 and then even further widescreen in in 2025 yes the cinematography opens up an important point um rather like uh, the grand budapest hotel yes um there's also something slightly i mean you know kind of when you say it's beautiful it is you know, but on the other hand, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but it really looks like it was shot digital. It's super sharp, mm. right? In ways we saw it at the Mac again. Yes, the four K projector <laughs> we're in love with. The four K projector we're in love with, but but there is something about the digital that I just thought um, was almost like too sharp. You know, too clear, too sharp. Uh, well, there are parts of the first um, movement that are um, shot what it looks like on DV because they're actually it's as if they've been broadcast on TV. I think you'll be showing yeah, as though they're broadcast images from 1999, so that's their standard definition blown up yeah. uh, to, to a yeah, giant there are some screen, bits of that. Um, which is obviously done quite deliberately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as you say, yeah, the rest of it is, is incredibly sharp. I'm just going to see if I can find any information on that. Um, uh, camera. Uh, Ari Alexa... Source format, Ari Raw 2.8K source format, digital intermediate 4K, so yeah. digital ultimately. Yeah. yeah. It looks it, you mm. know. And actually, kind of, there's something that 
I'm I mourn, but you, the whole sequences with at the end, you know, there's a sense in which there's very attractive women. There's something about the digital camera and the lighting. It's just too harsh. You know, you can see kind of little lines all over her face where you really shouldn't be seeing them. You know, and actually you wouldn't, you know. Why shouldn't you? Because I've, it brings up a question of age that shouldn't be there, you know, with someone that age, and it wouldn't be there in real life. But for, you know, that extraordinary microscop microscopic clarity, you know, that the film, uh, that the digital kind of brings out, you know. So, um, yeah, that would be... Well, I mean, that she looks the way she wouldn't... Like, when you see someone in real life who is 50 years old, you see them in clarity. She's not 50. Well, she put, she put, yeah, she, it's 25 years on at the end. So no, she's no, I'm, I'm talking about the love interest. You know, who's a divorcee, who's like, who meant to be in her 40s, I think. I think she's knocking 50 as well. I think the idea is she's about, she's old enough to be his mum. Well, yes, the, the, that is the idea. Nonetheless, I think the lighting is very, very harsh on her. It's too harsh on her. And I think, I think you're just to used say. to having, you're just used to having seen uh, blurry films. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's an issue. Uh, and I think it's kind of, um, anyway, I think... I think not enough care was taken with that, and it wasn't expressing, I think, what it intended to express. You know, you saw every... The lines are tiny, and yet you see every single one of them. You know? But you see it on the kid's face as well. I mean, he's a spotty little oik, and you see all of that in great detail as well. Like, he's no... He's no, he's no Casanova. He's no... Picasso no. Or, um, or whoever made people look good in paintings. Well, that's true, you know. Uh, but anyway, I think it's a problem. I mean, unless that was a deliberate thing to show you, right, rather than something that the camera just captured because mm. of what it is, then I think it's a problem, you know, because, yeah, I, you know... I, I, it's I, I, it felt to me like the film was emphasising it. Ah. Uh, it felt to me like it was a choice. Um, right. I, I, suppose, I suppose not so much with um, the love interest character because she's new, but um, certainly with... Um, the mother character, who you've seen as this clear skinned young woman. The mother woman character is not a problem, you know, but, uh, but you know, I didn't even notice it in the mother character. What I did notice is they're in bed, right, and you get a huge close up of, you know, the elder woman's face uh, with a young boy, and, you know, her face was full of of lines, you know. I'm, I'm trying to see what you have a problem with then, because, like I say, I mean, I thought I saw the same things. In the mother character, she I, was clearly her age. I just, I just think it's harsh on the actress, mm. you know, um, because if what you want to show is an older woman and a younger man, you know, kind of, I don't think you need to be that harsh on the actress. Okay. I think it's something that the digital brings out, and that I think kind of filmmakers need to be able to better control. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, you you write to him then, and you tell him. What <laughs> well, it's part of a larger problem. Well, there is certainly an, uh, there is certainly an aspect with with um, digital technology, uh, high definition and ultra high definition, and and high frame rate as well. Occasionally, making things clearer that that um, makeup and set design, and all these things do have to cope because things you could get away with in the past you can no longer get away with. Um, yes. I mean, there were things in the Hobbit was shown in high frame rate, filmed in high frame rate, and, I showed, hated that. and it was awful. It looked like a, looked like a soap opera. Yeah, and. And I think the reason that that film had nothing happen for about 40 minutes at the start 
was because you just had to get used to it. Yes. You had to get used to the way it looked so that when the film actually told the story, you weren't yeah. bothered by the frame rate. It looked awful. Yes. And, and there is an element of, you know, although it's cool you can do certain things, it brings in problems. Mm. Um, I remember seeing this, this wonderful uh, uh, film on Vogue, the Vogue magazine, and one of the editors saying, I don't want everything pink clear and crystal sharp. Like, you know, I, I want things to be out of focus. I want fuzz, right? Like kind of, you can't make every aesthetic decision end up being about, you know, pinpoint clarity. Mm. Like, you know, yeah. And, and actually, I think, well, what I'm questioning in this film is whether, you know, it was a deliberate choice to show you all those lines or whether actually it was just the camera's pinpoint clarity gives you that, so that's what you that's what you film. That's fair enough. I think that's a reasonable question because I, I I don't have an answer to that to be honest. No, um, um, I think I think that's a reasonable. Yeah, I just wanted to, to raise it as an issue. I don't have an answer to it either. What about the title? What about the title? I don't know. What, about, <laughs> what does it mean? I think uh, it's a beautiful title. It's very poetic. It's... Mountains must move. Mount- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're getting one, one word out of three ain't bad. <laughs> so remind me. Mountains may depart. Mountains may, may depart. depart. This is there's a beautiful sort of image of of momentous movement that, okay, so you that see matters. The kind of you know the title kind of emphasizes my reading of the film really. You know these things that. This way of life and these people and so on that, you know, is tied to the mountains, at the foothill of these mountains, and that, you know, has these, seems to have this permanence, but actually kind of, you know, they dissolve, they disappear, things change, mm. right? Kind of, you know, uh, so, I mean, I suppose the mountains are always there, but the people for whom that place is meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah, so the kind of mountains is the idea of, the culture, the things that have been there for thousands of years, yes. are being lost by the migration. The, the, the growing up in, in in a new world, or you know, speaking English and in a different place. These mountains, these mountains. It's the idea of departing. That's a beautiful word to use. Yes, it's, it's really melancholy, isn't it? It is. Um, but then also, I guess the idea of like your, the things that the things also closer to home, your family. Yes. Not being there anymore. And these things being enormous upheavals. Like, it's, it's such a deep problem for the mother that her son isn't there. Yes, and actually I think it's so beautifully done because she's very unsentimental about it. Or she's very, she's not, she's very, she has great depth of feeling. Yes. But she makes a rational choice. Yeah, that it's better for her child, that the child is better with the father because he's, you know, the child can have all these opportunities with the father that she can give him. She's clearly fought a, a, a major custody battle. Over yes, him. I was going to say she, she. It's not. Qu- it's not quite a choice. She said she lost custody. I think. He, yes. He won custody, but she's. I, I. I think it must be more that she came to peace with that, or came to saw the benefits no, of but it. In the discussion with the boy at the end, you get the sense that she knows the better is the boy is will get a better education and better choices in life with the father. Mm. Yeah. I think she's a very good actor. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, so, so, that, so, so it's that it is a choice, and it's a choice that comes at a cost. Because I'm sure, you know, that she could have fought the decision to leave the country. Mm. You know, so yeah, I think it's it's something that's in the film, really. I don't know why I feel this, but 
but I do, right? Because, you know, this whole thing, of she eavesdrops on this question of moving to Australia, mm. right? So I think if she just made a selfish decision based on herself, yeah, she wouldn't have said those things, yes, you know, I will put the child on the plane for you, right? Yeah, I think it's, it is a conscious decision. Oh, she, it's, she says it several times. Mm. You'll be better off with your father, you know. Yeah. Kind but of. is she trying to convince herself? Well, I think the key thing is that she knows what a loss and a wrench it'll be, yeah. right? Uh, and on the other hand, you know, some of the violence that she has with a child, right? Like when she asks him to kneel at her father's funeral and so on. It's kind of shoves him to the ground. Shoves him to the ground. Like, you know, you get a feeling that like the ritual and culture and, and place and respect for all of that is very important. Yeah? That's yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, certainly tensions are high, and she's she's grieving openly. It's to the it's yeah. the way. But I'm saying that it's a theme that runs throughout the film because mm. actually, what the son loses in Australia is all of that that she's trying to. Yeah. She gets angry at him about at the funeral that she she wants to convey the importance of it. Yeah, and he's feeling a deep sense of loss for that, even though he, I guess he can't quite place it or, or doesn't know entirely how to express it. Or even, yeah. or even maybe doesn't even understand quite that that is what he's feeling. Yes. But he's out of place. Yes. But it's interesting because there are two moves in the film. The first is the boyfriend to Shanghai, yeah, who gets cancer, right? But at least he's got a home to return to, and at least it's his country. Whereas, you know, the people who, who are shown to emigrate to another country are shown as being like truly lost. Like the father is half bonkers, right? Mm-hmm. He just plays golf and plays with guns in this like, you know, magnificent house, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, yeah, and the son is lost. Okay, let's wrap it up. Overall view? Overall, I think it's incredibly beautiful and very ambitious. Um, and it didn't go places I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad it, was, it ended up being what it was. Things started to take shape and significance um, in the second and third portions of the film where they were being set up in the first part. So I think it's a, f- a fantastic piece of work and I'm really glad that we saw it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, let's wrap it up here. I think it's great and uh, I want to see the rest of his films, really. Yeah. <laughs>